Good morning. It's a privilege to be able to stand here and open the Word this morning. Um, If you're a guest this morning, uh, I am not the uh, normal guy that stands up here, not that he's normal, Um, but uh, Scott and Shelly are on a uh, minister's retreat this weekend, getting uh, replenished and recharged and being blessed, and we want to pray for them and uh, ask uh, uh, safe travels over them as they head back to us this week. I know it's been a a good time for them to uh, be away together as a couple and uh, be with other couples that are in ministry and uh, just to be blessed and and nourished in that. And so we're grateful for that. But uh, this morning I'm excited. I get to to spend some time opening up the Word to us and talking to us about something that's very important to us here at Johnson Street. And so as we begin, let me just pray over us and ask the Father, to to bless our time. God, thank you uh, that we have the privilege of being uh, your children and all that that means to us. The fact that as your kids, we're your heirs. God, I I hope that we understand the blessing that is ours because of that. This morning, God, we thank you for uh, the fellowship that we share with one another. The fact that we get to stand with each other in this life and at times hold each other up and so this morning God as we look in your word would you bless this time some of us need to hear some things this morning Um, we're looking for some hope and uh, God we need your peace and your healing today it's in Jesus that I pray amen it it happened to us again this week Uh, Jamie and I got a phone call from some friends Uh, letting us know that uh, they're getting a divorce. Last week, one of my close friends in St. Louis, Nick, called me to tell me that uh, his very best friend, Ryan, a guy that he grew up with, that was his best man at his wedding, that he considers his brother, um, had committed suicide. And while he was driving and talking to me on the phone, he was actually driving into St. Louis to go to Barnes Jewish Christian Hospital where his mom was having a softball-sized tumor removed from her frontal lobe. A week before that, a friend of mine, Jonathan, let me know that he had been fired from his ministry position. Last week, Jamie and I were at a, a restaurant, one of our favorites here in town, and we called the owner over and had her come sit down with us for a second and we started asking about a couple of the girls that normally wait on us and the last several times we've been in there we noticed they hadn't been there and we were getting new people they were taking care of us and so one of the girls had relapsed in a drug addiction and had to be let go another one having lots of issues going on at home had begun to steal things from the restaurant she had to be let go For some of you, your scenario is a little different. Maybe it was a week where you got in a fight with your boss, whether that's your wife or your actual boss at work. (laughs) Or maybe something went crossways with your kids. 
your health. Some of you had to call in hospice this week. Some of you buried a parent. There's all kinds of chaos going on, isn't there? All kinds of struggle. And we've asked this question before and we've made this statement before. We've, we've, we've often, as we face things in life, almost flippantly, but I think truly believing, how can anybody get through this without a church family? In Ephesians 2, it tells us that that Jesus is this peace that we can have that surpasses any understanding. And, and, and we need that. But how do we get there? How do we find this Jesus that helps us, that gives us peace? What I want to do today is talk to us about a ministry that's very important that our, our, our shepherds and our elders feel like is very important and that's our small groups ministry our small groups ministry is an opportunity for us to to do life with each other and to give life to others and as we talk about it this morning i i, I want to state something that for some of us might be kind of a surprising thing to think about and that's the fact that the Bible gives us more instruction about how to do life as a small group than it does about how to conduct ourselves in this worship assembly that we've been in this morning. Have you thought about that before? The Bible tells us more about living life as a small group and that we should be doing that. We have more instruction than we do about how to conduct ourselves in a worship assembly. When you go to Acts chapter 2, you see that. In Acts chapter 2, as the Holy Spirit comes upon them and the church begins, what you see is that the, the disciples that were there, those who had given their life to Christ, they begin to meet daily in the temple courts, it says. And then from there, it says, they broke up and they went into houses where they took the Lord's Supper together. And that they did this daily. That there was this communion that they shared with each other in life but that they would come together in the temple courts as one big group and then they would split up and go into their homes and share the Lord's Supper together. And they would take care of one another's needs, it says, in those groups. And it says because of the way they took care of each other and the way that they loved each other in those groups, that the community around was in awe and noticed it. And that because of that, God began adding daily to their number. And the church explodes all because of God's design of a small group ministry that happens in Acts chapter 2. It's pretty amazing when you think about that. Small groups ministry. So this year we've been talking about reach. Reaching up, reaching in, reaching out. And, and we get this concept of, of reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out from a couple of passages of Scripture. Very familiar passages of Scripture for us. The first one of those would be the great command. The great command, so you've got a Pharisee who comes to Jesus in, the, in Matthew chapter 22, and he says to them, there was an expert of the law who comes and says, okay, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And so his response was, of course, 
Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. And then Jesus gives him a bonus. He didn't ask for this one, but Jesus goes ahead and says, listen. And the second one, because I don't want you to miss this, is that you love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So from that great command, we see our reaching up, right? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, all of your mind. And then we see the beginning of this process of reaching in, where we love neighbors, as well as reaching out as we love neighbors. The second verse that we used to help us in this reach up, in and out, is from Matthew 28, 18, the Great Commission. And then Jesus came to them, and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, if he's going to start off saying all authority has been given to me, probably the next thing he says is important, I would say, right? So he goes, listen, it all, it all ends and begins right here. So you might want to hear what I'm saying next. And he says, therefore go. Now, the Greek actually says, as you are going. So the implication is you're already going. So as you're going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so here we see the reaching out that we're called to do in taking care of people. Now, reach up, reach in, reach out. I'll tell you that it happens in three ways for us. First, it happens as individuals, right? This is something that as individuals we're called to do. We're called to, to reach up to God and worship God, connect with God, right? But we're also called as individuals to be reaching in to others, making this connection, ministering to others, as well as reaching out to people. But I'll submit to you also that that happens through our small groups. That when we're in our small groups, we're able to come together and collectively reach up to God, spend time worshiping God, learning more about God, connecting more with God, and then connecting with each other. It's easy for us to do that. It's really hard for us to connect with each other in this assembly. First off, it's not designed for that, is it? We don't, we don't have a time for us just to stop and just to take care of each other here, do we? That's not the way this hour and 15 minutes that we usually have together is designed. And so the necessity then is that we have a place where we can do that. So that's where our small groups come into play. And then there's the reaching out as a small group. We can reach out and be evangelistic and we can share the Word of God. And then it happens on a third level, and that's corporately. When we're in here in the large group, the reaching in is a little bit more difficult. It kind of has to happen between, before and after, doesn't it? And it has to be very intentional that we try to take care of one another. Because again, what most, what's happening most weeks is we're rushing in at the last minute to get here on time or right as it begins. And then when it's over, we seem to be rushing back out to our lives. That's one reason why our small groups are so important because it gives us a time to stop and to linger and to be with each other and to minister to each other. So reaching up, reaching in, reaching out. It's, it's a very important thing for us to do as a church. We, we've, 
we talked about our small groups. We put this on our website. You'll see it. And as we do more training with our small group leaders, you'll see some things that, that we want our groups to be. Uh, that is that they would be authentic. Uh, you can go to that. There you go. Thanks, guys. That may be a little hard for you to read, um, so go to the website. Uh, it's a nice new website and, uh, that we've come up with. But it talks about us being authentic, that the groups are created to be a place where real, genuine uh, vulnerability can take place. Now, that scares people right there. You start saying something like that, and they're like, I don't want to go and tell my feelings to people. I don't want to go. I, I get it. We, we want to be guarded, don't we? I will tell you that the thing that I've noticed um, growing up in the church and in almost three decades of ministry is that the church has lost the art of confession. We don't know how to do that. We're so afraid of being vulnerable and letting anybody see our, our stuff that we constantly make it look like everything's okay and we keep people at arm's length and when that happens then I get phone calls like I did this week from Tim and Rachel to tell us that they're getting a divorce Tim and Rachel who went to our small group they're not members here okay they live in another city now um but they didn't know how to confess the struggle they were going in. They didn't know how to share with anybody the difficulty they were dealing with. And they hid behind a mask of perfection, a mask of everything's okay. You know, what's worse is those of us that were in the small group with them didn't know how to ask them what's going on. But being authentic and then shoulder to shoulder is what our groups are about. It's not through Facebook and Instagram and all of these other things. That's not how we build relationships. It's by being together, shoulder to shoulder and walking this life together. That's what changes us from the inside out. And then our groups are gospel-centered. It's all centered around the truth of the Scripture. God revealing His character to us. A character He calls us to take on in ourselves. And, and so when we say find a group, get plugged in, and don't do life alone, the reason that our shepherds think that this is so important is because they don't want to see you fall through the cracks. They don't want to see you try to face this life by yourself. And frankly, there's, there's too many of you for them to be able to connect with personally every week. So we need our small groups to be a vehicle and an instrument that they can use in helping to shepherd you and take care of you. And so it's really a blessing that God has given us in the small groups. Now, I gave you a card this morning. Actually, some really nice-looking gentlemen gave you the card. Um, but on this card, I want to talk to you about a concept that I think will help you in developing relationships, but also being evangelistic. Because remember the Great Commission, this reach out thing that we've been talking about this year, 
is about our responsibility to reach people that don't know this Jesus that we know, that don't have this peace that we have. As they face the chaos of their life, they need to know this Jesus that we know. And this is a simple way for us to do this, and it's a simple way for us to do it with and through our small groups. There's a Greek word, it's the word oikos, and that word means household. It means a group of relationships that you steward, that you take care of. Basically what it is, is it's your circle of influence. And so God has given us a circle of influence. I believe that where you're at, the home you live in right now, the place where you work, the things that you do each week, that God has supernaturally and strategically placed you there so that you can be a minister to the people that are in your circle of influence, your sphere of influence. And I want you to think about this with me for a second because every one of us have the same thing true in our life, and that is this. There are about 8 to 15 people, for some of us a few less and for others of us a few more, but about 8 to 15 people that we see consistently every week. That's your sphere of influence. It's the people in your home. It's the people in your neighborhood. It's the people you work with. It's the people at the doctor's office. It's the barista at the Starbucks that you go to every time. It's the, the clerk at the post office that you see every week. When you, it's the clerk at the, at the bank when you go to make the deposits. It's, those are the people that are part of your sphere of influence. God has strategically and supernaturally placed you in the midst of those relationships so that you can influence them. So that you can reach them. And you can be a blessing in their life. We don't have to put together some kind of creative evangelistic program or some campaign or something for us to somehow reach people. God's already put us right in the middle of people for us to influence them. It's really a neat thing when you stop and think about it. Hey, I don't really have to do something special. It's, they're right here for me already. It's easy picking, if you will. Now I want you to think about it. What I've asked you to do on this card is to, on the back, I want to go through some definitions here with you, but the first thing I want you to do is I want you to to go through the process of listing 8 to 15 people with whom you've developed, are developing, or maybe could develop relational equity. What's relational equity? Sounds kind of weird. I'll tell you what's not relational equity. Relational equity is not the guy who stands on the, on the corner yelling at you, saying, come to Jesus. <laughs> There's no relationship there, is there? You know, Jamie and I, we honeymooned in San Francisco. And when we were there, we, we were down uh, near Macy's, down near the, the square. And, and uh, there was a guy, and it was raining. And he was out there, and he was standing on a box, and he had an umbrella over himself, and he had a sign basically saying turn or burn and he had a megaphone and he was yelling so loud in the rain nobody could understand the thing he was saying and not a single person stopped nobody cared what he had to say there was no relational equity there we're talking about relationship where where you are genuinely interested in the other person not that you're interested in them so that you can get them at the first possible opportunity to 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 say Oh, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? You know, I mean, uh, not a bunch of... Anyway, that's not relational equity that we're trying to get them in the water right away because that's a hidden agenda, isn't it? No, it's about 
loving your neighbor as yourself. That's the relational equity. And so I want you to think about that. There are four types of people that I've listed on here. If you went through my small group class during the REACH conference, I talked about three types of people. I talked about those that need to be evangelized, those that need to be encouraged, those that need to be energized. I've taken that and I've turned it into four types of people now. And here they are. It's pre-Christians. In your circle of influence, there are people that are pre-Christians. Okay? And I believe, I like saying it that way because I believe what God's going to do is through His Holy Spirit working in you and, and people coming alongside of you, you're going to help lead them to Jesus Christ. It's just a matter of time. These are people who have not yet placed their faith in Jesus. If you think about your 8 to 15 people, you can start writing down names of people that are not Christians yet, that need to be evangelized, can't you? I want you to do that. I want you to start putting those names of people that you see every week that you regularly come into contact with that haven't placed their faith in Jesus. But the second type of person is the prodigal. That's the ones I said needed to be energized in that class. Those are believers who are not actively pursuing their faith. In your circle of influence, there are people you see every week that you know that at one time or another, they gave their lives to Jesus, but they're not actively pursuing Him. They're not actively engaged with him and it may be more than three here okay write those down because what they need is for you to come alongside of them and energize them for you to be praying over them and to care about them that you would go shoulder to shoulder with them that you would help them understand what hebrews 10 is all about when it says some of you are in the habit of not assembling not meeting He goes, you need to get together. Don't forsake that assembly. Why? Because you need to get together and spur each other on toward love and good deeds. The third type of person is the purposefuls. Those are believers who are actively pursuing their faith. And you've got those people in your sphere of influence. Write those names down. Because you need to continue to be praying over them every day. You need to reach out to them and encourage them in their faith walk. Because we have an enemy who hates us. And who is going to do everything he can to destroy us. That's what Jesus says in John 10. He says there's a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And all he wants to do is take you out. And Peter, Peter describes him as a roaring lion who's on the prowl looking for someone to devour. He's after us. So more than ever, we need to encourage one another and take care of one another. And then there's the potentials. Those who seem to be showing up on my life's front burner more often than in the past. The thing about the potentials is you may not know exactly where they're at. Which one of the other three is they fall in? And so more than ever, we need the relational equity there. That you would invest in their lives. That you would love them and help lead them to Christ. Now, if you'll do that, if you'll write those 8 to 15 people down and then begin to do the next four steps, which is simply to pray daily for your oikos, that each would sense God's presence in their lives and be open to His love, that you would invest in them, that you would look for appropriate ways to be God's instrument as He calls them to Himself and He transforms their lives, and then invite them to church regularly, And thoughtfully, as God opens doors of opportunity, 
And then finally, will you prepare? Prepare to become a better example of faith in Christ as well as more effective witness of His grace. Now here's where this gets cool. Because you can take this now and you go to your small group and you say, these are the 15 people that God has given me, supernaturally and strategically given me, that I want to influence for His glory and I need you to help me. Will you pray over these situations with me? You know what? There's a name on my list that I have no idea how to reach. Everything that I've said or tried hasn't been working. What do you suggest? And together your small group can come up with ways where you can reach them. Maybe there's somebody on your list that you've noticed that they're struggling with something. Uh, You're at the water fountain one week at work and you overhear them talking. And they start talking about chaos going on in their life. And guess what you can do? You can go back to your small group now and say, hey, I've got this person on my list here and I was listening to them talk this week and they shared all these things. I think as a group we can go meet that need in their life. I think as a group we can go in and we can be Christ to them and help them. There there are so many ways that as a group we can utilize this. But here's one of the cool things about this. Every one of us in the room has 8 to 15 people that we have influence over. And I want you to think about this with me. If, if, it, if it was just 8, and there's 600 of us here, if it's just 8 of us, that means that this room has influence over 4,800 people this week. That's amazing. What if it was 15? If every one of us had 15 in our list? That's 9,000 people. That's a tenth of our city. That we have direct influence over every single week. When I ask you to put names on here, I'm begging you to put names on here, and I'm begging you to say to God, God, use me in their lives. Because we could change this city if we took this seriously, if we said, I'm going to steward these relationships that you've given me. I'm going to be there for them. Because they need to know my Jesus. Because I'm tired of getting the phone calls about people divorcing. And I'm tired of getting the phone calls about suicide. And on and on it goes. There's so much brokenness. And I'm not saying we are their Savior by any means. All we are is people who point people to the Savior. They already have one. His name is Jesus. Our shepherds want you to be in a small group because you need people. Because here's the reality. Some of you come in here week after week and you're dealing with stuff, but you're hiding behind a mask. And you need a place where you can be real with somebody who can walk through life's struggles with you. Who can remind you that you are a Spirit-filled, Spirit-empowered person. And can help you tap into the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And can help set you on a new direction.
When I think of small groups, I think of this. What is that, Brian? Oreos. Oreos. Milk's favorite cookie. Amen? I thought I'd get an amen on that one. All right. right. When I think of small groups, I think of Oreos, don't you? I mean, I think it ought to be at every group meeting. But anyway, Oreos, I mean, these things are amazing, aren't they? They're so good. They're good. You want one, huh? Mmm. Mmm. Mm-mm-mm. Mm. I love me some Oreos. I like the lemon ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, amen over there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Hang on a second. some good stuff. <laughs> I may have to do that again. Now, here's the thing about the Oreo. The guys over at Nabisco, you, you recognize that little red triangle there? I just tweaked my knee again, so if I fall down, just laugh at me and we'll move on. <laughs> That's what I get for eating Oreos in front of you, huh? The guys in Nabisco, they didn't go all, to all the work of, of creating this incredible heavenly recipe, right? Um, uh, this is like, almost like manna from heaven. I'm, I'm a cookie addict, by the way. As long as there's no fruit in them. Anyway, I guess lemon's a fruit, though. Huh? <laughs> Just ruined they didn't go to all the work of creating this incredible recipe where the cookie is just right. You can eat the cookie by itself and it's good. And that cream is just right. You can eat the cream by itself and it's good. And then when they're together, it's even better, right? Amazing. They didn't go to all the effort of, of doing that and then create this recognizable logo, the logo that's on the cookie, right? And, and putting this recognizable packaging together that has... Oddly enough, nutritional facts on it. I don't know why. <laughs> they didn't go to all that work and, and do that and then put all these ad campaigns together. I mean, you know how it goes, right? Oh, 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 who's that kid with the Oreo cookie eating up the frosty middle like he did when he was little? O-R-E-O. Right? You know it, right? Some the, the kids down here are going, what is he talking about? <laughs> they didn't go to all that work and do all of that just so you could know about the Oreo cookie, did they? That's not the purpose, is it? The purpose is for you to experience the Oreo cookie, and it's an experience, if you ask me, right? The purpose of of them doing all of that was so you could could take it in and experience it. Listen, this morning, I want you to understand the reason Jesus came to this place was not just for you to know about God was so that you could experience Him. And the reason that, that Jesus established His church 
and, and called us the body of Christ was so that you could fully experience the community that God wants you to have. And the reason His Holy Spirit lives in you is so that you could experience Him. It's not just to know about Him. That's not what God wants for you. He doesn't want you just to know about Him. He wants you to experience Him completely. To take Him in. Unfortunately, a lot of us We haven't ever had an Oreo. Okay, not in here. We haven't experienced God for who God is and what He can be. He is a God who gives a peace that surpasses all understanding. All understanding. I don't want you to miss that. If you're here this morning and you don't know this God I'm talking about, I can't wait to tell you about him. So come find me. I'll be right here. I want you to know God and experience him. And I'll tell you what, our small groups, that's a place where you can experience the peace and the love and the power of God. I'm going to be talking to you throughout the rest of the year all the time about our groups. Scott's going to be talking to you about our groups. Our shepherds are going to be talking to you about our groups. Because we want you in them. If you're interested in being part of one and you're not already on that attendance card that you had this morning, would you just put SG and I'll contact you and help you get into a group. Okay? And then you can hand those cards in today. Just put SG and I'll get a hold of you. Father, help us to understand your son came to this earth not to save us for eternity, but to make us holy so that we could be in eternity with you because only holy things can be in your presence. Only holy creations. And so God, that's our goal is that we would be holy. We would be pure. But God, the reality is a bunch of us are hiding behind some masks. And today I pray that we would trust others with our journey and we would take the mask off and we'd be real with each other and we would confess to one another and we would find freedom in that confession. God, if there are people in this room that don't know you yet, have not given their life to you, I pray that today is the day that they wrestle with you and that they say, God, I want to know you more. I want to experience you. I want to be saved by you. I want to be in your presence. Make this the day, God. Thank you for the privilege, God, of being in this room with people that love you as we lift up this prayer and one another in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand and share something. This is my